Welcome to Soul Mart Presents The Divine Exchange, a spiritual entrepreneur podcast. On this show, you can expect and enjoy conversations with thought leaders, artists, healers, and other inspiring individuals who share Soul Mart's passion for soulful living. We love to connect with people on a deeper level and help you find products, services, and inspiration that resonates with your soul. Before there was aspirin, there was willow bark. Similarly, before there were pharmacies, there were apothecaries. According to apothecaries.org, the word apothecary comes from apotheca, which meant a place where wine, spices, and herbs were stored. In this episode of Soul Mart Presents, we speak with Stephanie Henderlin of Muangata Apothecary, and she is bringing botanicals back. Welcome, Stephanie, and thank you so much for joining us as a featured guest on Soul Mart Presents. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, let's dive right in. And I'd like to start with the interesting, captivating name of your company. I wanted to make sure that I was pronouncing it correctly because I understand it's got Swedish origin. So I learned that it's, I hope I'm saying this right, Moengata. Yes. Yeah. Kudos. <laughs> And then, and then I was like smitten right away because of what it means, because the pronunciation video that I found, it elaborated and it said that the word itself means road-like reflection of the moon on the water. I have seen that. I have seen Moangata like twice and it was so impactful that I can remember. I can tell you where I was, what I was eating and drinking and like everything because it was, it just stopped, literally stopped me in my tracks. So normally the first question is, please tell us about the origin story of your business. And we, we want to know that. But I want to even back up a little and learn about your relationship with this word. I know that you loved the word, but did the word come first or the sighting of a Moangata come first? And I just would love to hear the story of it. Oh, it yeah. Well, I was, I was researching names because um, we had quite a few names and I just couldn't decide on anything. And a friend made the suggestion to me. And the thing with an apothecary is people don't really understand what an apothecary is anymore. But back in the day, it was the pharmacy. It was very well accepted medicine. And that's where you go. It's your, it's your doctor's office. But nowadays, when you think of apothecary, it's got that more mystical aspect of it and ancient wisdom. And when someone, my friend mentioned, what about the word Mungata? I researched it just like you did. I'm proud, of, like I'm impressed that you went and researched it and yeah, played the audio. How do you say it? And I just loved it because it, it really does, like it speaks to herbalism. Herbalism is an ancient science and it's an ancient wisdom. And it's something that we don't give value to anymore. And so that ties in with apothecary, but it's also apothecary is scientific. And there's just so much... Uh, mysticism and science all kind of mixed together in my name, the business name. Um, so that's kind of what I did, why I took it. And yeah, I never, I mean, I grew up in the North and I grew up where it gets dark early. And so I'd be doing my farm chores at night. We would go camping and we'd be doing things at nighttime. So yeah, I'd seen the Moongata often growing up. 
but I didn't know it had a name. And like in English, we don't have a name for that. And yeah. so I thought that's so cool. And it's also kind of a reminder that English isn't the all too, you know, like the fact that it doesn't have a name for something so cool. When you see it, you actually realize this is really beautiful. Why don't we have a name for it? And so that's kind of my awakening, you know, like I just think a lot of people need to be educated when I tell them what I do. What do you do, Steph? Oh, I've got an apothecary. What's an apothecary? You know, and so just like Mungata, like you need to be educated on what the word and yeah. it kind of just, it's all just kind of ties together. And I just loved how it sounded when I, when I played it on and on in my head. Yeah. Well, I thank you because by, because you've, you've established a very important business and then curious minds that come across the name. It's kind of like you put a portal that the curious mind can enter and then just open up. And it's also connected to the, to the moon. So all the things that you were saying about the mysticism, so too lunar light, lunar light is very mystical. So yeah. it's, and then of course the pathway, you know, it, people who, who are so journeying and relate to like being on a path, it's just as has multiple levels of meaning. So I love the name, kudos. <laughs> we need you as a brand ambassador. <laughs> I do. <laughs> Okay, so I guess it'll be a, nat a natural segue then to then ask about the origin story of the apothecary. And I understand that you were coming from a world of, of midwifery. Fill us in on that story, how that. Yeah, so I, like I said, I grew up up north and I grew up on a farm and I just always thought in small towns, you just do what everyone does. You don't dream too big. You just, you're very content, you know? So I grew up thinking I'll just be a farmer's farmer's wife. I'll raise kids like everyone does. And the problem came, no one wanted to get married to me. <laughs> so it wasn't happening. So I started to think, okay, so, so what other dreams are out there? And I, I've always been very empathetic. Like I love animals. I love taking care of um, like working the farm, working the, the fields. I just love being in nature. And I, someone mentioned to me midwifery and I had never heard of that word. And that's like the essence, you know, like you nurture the mom through her pregnancy. You're there for the delivery in the middle of the night. Like you're, you're physically delivering the baby and then you're caring for the mom and the baby afterwards. And I, even though I had no medical background, I mean, I had delivered baby cows and been there when cats were born, but you know, I just thought this is really cool. And so that was what I went into. And I, I also I'm a very, I'm a bit of a dreamer. So I think outside the box, which, what is a creative way I can do this? And so instead of just applying to the Canadian colleges and universities to become a midwife, I thought, how can I do this another way and get experience? So I went overseas and studied and I went to America and studied and it took about five or six years until I actually had a degree because it was so convoluted. And I was, I was set, this is what I'm going to do. But life changes. By then I was um, 28, recently got married when I graduated and had a surprise pregnancy. <laughs> and so I was just, it was just really hard. You know, midwifery is not a lifestyle for families. I mean, of course, midwives do it all the time. But I had also grown up where my mom was a stay-at-home mom and I really valued that and I wanted that. I wanted to raise my kids and be there for them. And so we decided midwifery was not going to happen right now. It's still a passion of mine. But I remember sitting on the couch and just being really disappointed with myself, thinking I had just spent like six years of my life preparing for this. And now I'm looking for a job and I'm pregnant and, you know, and my husband said, well, Steph, 
part of your studies, you made all these products. Midwifery is very natural medicine. And so we had to study herbalism and aromatherapy and massage. And when I took the herbalism course, I had to make all these products for my clients. And I realized how exciting it was. It was very passionate of mine, or it became a passion of mine just to like, even when I wasn't making products for clients, I'd make products for my husband or my family. And so he said, you've got all these products that you've made. Why don't you try and sell them? And so that's how we started. And yeah, it was very grassroots. I was at uh, local farmer's markets. All the labels were handmade by myself and mostly family and friends were purchasing from me in the beginning. But uh, my, my husband's an entrepreneur, entrepreneur as well. And so he's like, you know what? We got to invest in this. We got to like do proper branding, make it really good. And so that's in 2021, we really pushed into making it professional. And that's kind of how it started. Oh my gosh. What That is so inspiring to hear that I would call alchemy. I would call that very practical alchemy that you had turned a situation that could have looked like lead and it's gold. It is shiny, brilliant gold. And so, <laughs> and kudos to, um, and it, it's inspiring too, that uh, the collaboration between your husband and you, you know, I mean, that he was there to inspire and to help with the up-leveling of things. So that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So now let me ask you about the biggest challenge that you would consider. And if you're able to, one internal and one external challenge that you have faced in your time of this business with the apothecary. Sure. So I think the internal is the self-doubt. Entering into this business entrepreneur realm involves interacting with top-notch entrepreneurs and judges at pitch competitions and people that have been doing this for years. And like I said, my background was medicine. So this was all new to me. And just walking into these either like business seminars or even trade shows or the first time I was at a farmer's market, you know, that insecurity being like, this is, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm surprised they accepted my application to be here, (laughs) you know, and just that self-doubt in the beginning is really hard. But as if with everything, you you just need to do it. And then eventually you become that professional and you're giving the advice to people and it just takes some time. So that was a big challenge for me because I have a, I think I have an addiction to application forms. So if anyone ever showed me like, Hey, there's this workshop for business owners coming up, it's free. I would be like, and then I'd walk in and I'd be surrounded by people that have like, I have no idea what you're talking about. What is IP? What is like, you know, I just, I don't know anything. And the thing with having a business is it's a lot of computer work. And that's something I wasn't familiar with. And if it's an e-commerce business, which mine is, there's a lot of things like SEO and marketing, and I just don't know anything. And so I had to learn it all and just be open to criticism and open to advice. And you also kind of start to feel what is your your brand and what feels right with you. And then you, as you get more experience, you start to cut out the things that are unnecessary because everyone's going to have advice to give you. But what makes your business unique is you, right? So trying to figure out, I don't want to be just like you. I want to be myself. And this is my dream for this vision, or this is my dream for this business. And so you got to keep that in check as you grow. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was my internal struggle was definitely that self-doubt. People would call it imposter syndrome. My external struggle, I think, and it still is, is like I said earlier, 
herbalism is like, it's becoming more common, but I still have it very regularly when people are like, what do you do? And I tell them, and there's just that blank look. And it's just, it gets exhausting having to do a lot of education, you know, to, I mean, I, I am passionate about it, but if you get that blank look, it's almost like, oh, what's the point? Like they're already kind of zoned out, you know, they're not actually interested. So just, just always having a positive attitude because you're always marketing yourself. You know, the best sales I got were from those that I met in person and email pitching. Sure. It works sometimes, but most of the time it's, it's in person. And so just keeping that positive outlook when you're educating people. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. And imposter syndrome, it is real. And I think that the entrepreneurs that listen to this are going to be inspired to hear because you're confirming, even for me and then the other listeners, that we're not the only ones, that, that, you've, that you encountered it, and then you triumphed over it, and then went into a place of knowing what is true for Moangata, and then being able to cut out the false. You're like, I'm not false. Some of these other variables are false. And so, I guess, resulting in, a, in an aligned business. So, thank you for being vulnerable. And then, you know, and then sharing so we could also see and learn from the things that you did to move out of that space. That's really, that's really valuable. Okay, so then to sweeten things up, what about one of your deepest delights? I'm sorry, let me back up and say that I, I appreciate too the education part that goes into it because that's not one of the, that's not directly related to herbalism, harvesting the, the flora and the packaging and that. It's like, oh, now I have to, also, because allopathic medicine is so prevalent and it's like, oh, I have to also try to introduce a concept that might be foreign to others. I can understand how that could. And then you're being looked at like maybe you have three heads or something <laughs> that could be tiring. So kudos to you. And, and I just want to encourage you. Don't be weary in your well-doing, because as we keep like a, water, a drop of water Eventually, it makes a dent in the stone, in the granite. Yeah. Okay. So now we'll pivot to one of the deepest delights of Moangata Apothecary. I mean, that you experience as the owner. Yeah. Well, you know, it's probably my, my deepest delight, but also my biggest stress. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, uh, I've got three kids and right now our workshop is in-house and my four-year-old, she'll beg me when I say, okay, guys, uh, mommy's going to go upstairs and work in the office. She'll say, can I help? And so it's gotten to a point where we put, it, we put a computer in the office so that she can sit there and that distracts her for maybe 10 minutes, making her feel like she's also working. But then she'll want to help with formulating and like making things. And, and so we've come to a point where she's my professional labeler and she's content with that for now. But when I'm in my office, I'm usually like pretty, like I've got my list of things to do and I only have an hour. And so I got to do this and having kids running around your feet, you know, it's a little bit stressful. Yeah. So trying to like keep in check. And then those moments when I like take a deep breath and just go, you know what, let's just see what's going on. And I'll look up and there she'll, she'll be sitting on the floor, labeling the products for me, doing such a good job because we've worked at it like many, many times. Like it used to be just like rip and put, but now she's actually like a professional labeler. <laughs> and it's in those moments that I'm like, you know what, I'm teaching my kid, like, excellence, I'm teaching her business skills, I'm teaching her that moms can also work and moms can also have visions and mom can also 
you know, like mom can stay home and mom can also have a job. And when I get frustrated, I'm teaching her like, I'm sorry, Valencia. I'm sorry, mommy was frustrated. She was stressed. You know, like it ultimately is. I remember my, when I stopped midwifery, my midwife um, preceptor, she said to me, you know what, Steph, it's very disappointing what you have to do, like quitting midwifery. But I just want to tell you my biggest, my biggest accomplishment in life is my kids. And that's always stuck with me, you know, like my business can fail tomorrow. I could go bankrupt. And then I'm going to be thinking what, what really matters, you know, and it really does come down to family, friends, kids. In my life, I'm a very personal person. So my biggest value is people. My husband is not. (laughs) So maybe he would feel the devastation of a business failing. (laughs) But I'm getting so off track. What is what was the question? (laughs) Oh, no, you're not. You're not off track at all. I love it. Um, You know, I had asked you about the deepest delight, but you gave a very integrated, holistic answer because the delight comes with challenge and stress. And I think that's the real world. Very real world. Oh my gosh, it's so rich. Yes. Yeah. So, and I can just envision Valencia making sure everything is aligned. That's wonderful. Okay. All right. Let's shift to uh, spiritual practice. May or may not have a name, but uh, I'd love to hear how your spiritual practice informs and influences your business practice. And I even would ha- say that one of the things I heard is that your your expression of motherhood sounds like a spiritual practice. So that's just an observation. But please, let's hear from you about that. I've never been asked that question before. I like that. But I guess that's kind of what Soul Mart is all about. So yes, I think a lot of my spiritual practice revolves around meditation. It used to be uh, journaling. And when I say meditation, I'm not like sitting in a room doing like I used to do yoga and that was great and I would meditate at that time but oh man like finding time for that is so hard now so it's a lot of running to the bathroom when the kids are all screaming and closing the door and just like putting my head in my hands and just thinking like what is the best option here what am I trying to show what am I trying to live out what are my values you know like all those things they just kind of flood through real fast and I'm trying to center myself and figure out what is most important here. And it's just kind of an all encompassing thing. I do believe in a higher power, people would say it's God, people would say whatever they would say it is. So I, that is part of my my meditation is centering there and being like, God, what, what would be the ultimate decision here? And then also when I'm in the midst of being in my office or being at a trade show, what am I trying to portray? And it, it is really cool that the world is coming to a place where it's it's been in cycles, right? Midwifery had to fight to come back to Canada. We used to be, everyone was delivered by midwives and then doctors came in and midwives were extinguished. And it's happened over the years, you know, midwives are known as witches because back in the time they also were extinguished. And so as generations come around, it seems like just like midwifery has come and gone and been persecuted and now it's being lifted up. Um, So does natural medicine. And right now we're in an amazing part in Canada, particularly where um, natural health is being elevated. And something as simple as ICBC, like when you get in a car accident, they're allowing chiropractors and physios and massage. 
they're not quite there where they allow herbalism, but actually all the herbalists in BC are working hard to get that in the works where herbal medicine can be offered. And so it's just, I, 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 get, I get off track, man. <laughs> no, you're making the track. Seriously. Yeah, you're making the track. Go ahead. Okay, okay. You're very encouraging. Um, so just seeing how the, the world is coming to a place again and generations are more receptive to what Mungata is offering. And so I don't want to just offer, here, take my balm, this will help. People need to be educated and they need to be already in a place where they're receptive to it. And so it is a holistic, that's why they say it's holistic medicine, not just herbalism, but yeah. holism involves mental health, physical health, emotional health, relational health. And that's what a lot of my products do is they, like my rollers are there for um, mental health problems and it's not physical health. So it's a totally different aspect, you know? Mm -hmm. And so as a practitioner and as, I mean, I, I would say I'm a home herbalist and not a practitioner, but it's just always my spiritualism is kind of coming through, through everything in life. And that's what I'm trying to say is that a lot of people are becoming more and more receptive and understanding that spirituality needs to be holistic. It can't just be going to the temple on Sunday or whatever you do. You know, it's a very holistic thing. And so that's why I say I run to the bathroom in the middle of a fight when the kids are screaming, because that's part of my spiritual journey is just like, let's meditate, let's focus, let's get centered here. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope I answered it. <laughs> and then some. And in really, I think you've done us all a service because uh, you, you updated this old saying, chop wood, carry water. I can't remember. I don't know if it was a Buddhist or I don't know where the tradition it came from, but the set like that was espoused as spiritual practice. Like it is so mundane and practical. Yeah. It is when you're washing dishes. It is when yeah. stress levels raise. It is when noise levels raise. Like that's, that's the work. That's the invitation yeah. and the opportunity. And I, you know, what's interesting, like you are, you must be such an integrated being because the pattern I hear in your answers, they're all reflect integration you know they reflect someone who has done the work about between the who and the do you know mm. it's beautiful to witness that thank you yeah just a couple more questions and boy they, this goes so fast <laughs> but okay well i was gonna say three wise tips but it doesn't have to be three it could just it could be top of mind whatever comes to mind but something that you could share with spiritual entrepreneurs who want to either enter or expand in today's marketplace? Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind is relationship. Like I said before, most of my, my biggest sales were made through relationship. And so whether that's going to be personalizing an email pitch with a follow-up phone call, or even just if it's an email, writing the person's name on the top, you know, not just like to whom it may concern. If you're at a trade show, ask people their name. You can follow it up with I'm never going to remember, but what's your name? You know, like it, it really does matter to people when, when you care about, when you demonstrate that you care about them. A, a quick example, I was at a pitch competition, competition last, uh, maybe two nights ago. And someone came up to me and she was like, tell me about your business. And I was just so taken off guard. I was like, that's so cool. I don't even know who you are. I found out later that she was one of the pitchers and it was really instrumental because it was um, the audience voted for the winner. And so she was an excellent pitcher and I immediately wanted to vote for her because I had met her in person, you know, and I, I caught myself and I was like, okay, is that fair? Like, is it just because of that friendship that we kind of like made 
or was she actually the best? And I mean, it turns out she was a great pitcher, but someone else I felt valued it better. But if I would have just quickly went with my gut, it just demonstrates how that relationship, it makes you like people more. It makes you more inclined to them. It makes you, I would even say more successful if you can be relational in your interactions and not just all be about the money. You know, I need to make this sale. Somehow find a way to be relational because people are relational. Ooh, you know, that's, it's, it's relieving to hear that because I think it's also an antidote and a response to the strongly coming forth AI, which is helpful. And it is adding a lot of efficiency to much of what we do. But then the shadow side or the risk is in incredible depersonalization and dehumanization. So mm-hmm. I love the tip that you've given us to really stay within our hearts and to stay connected as people. Really mm-hmm. bone. Yeah. yeah, totally. And kudos to you for entering those rooms, like pitch fests and those kinds of things. Like that's, you know, <laughs> I mean, for, you know, for a lot of different like personality types or those kind of things, it might be like people might not consider that to be their comfort zone. So I really admire you. Well, it wasn't my comfort zone, but when you're uh, trying to grow a business, you just got to like push through and you're like, okay, yeah. I can get over this. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, wow, Stephanie, this has been so incredible to connect with you and to genuinely learn from the thing, the practices that have brought you to success and that are going to continue to, to grow you even more. So let me ask, besides Walmart, where else can listeners connect with you and learn more about you? Yeah, we're on Instagram and TikTok as those are some fastly growing platforms. I'd say Instagram is where I'm most active and like reach out. I'm the one behind that. So I can respond quickly to messages and Uh, We have a website, um, mangataapothecary.ca, and we are looking to open a brick and mortar this, but it's it's only in the Vancouver area in uh, Canada. But um, yeah, that's something that's kind of on the books. We're trying to look into the feasibility of that. So hopefully soon people can stop in in person. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for this time. And, And you know, I really feel like we got to journey with you a bit on that road-like reflection of the moon on the water. And so we thank you richly. Uh, Thank you, Erica. This was really, really great to be on this podcast. Thank you so much. Fantastic. Okay. Bye for now. See you. Great things happen at the intersection between spirituality and entrepreneurship. And we hope this episode gave evidence of that. For more inspiration, come visit us at soulmart.ca. And if you are a spiritual entrepreneur who offers a soulful product or service, consider becoming a vendor with us and you could be a featured guest on this show with an episode of your own. On behalf of soulmart.ca, we wish you love and plenty.